Well, over the last several weeks, I've been kind of preaching on a little mini sub-series on living out our purpose. Um, the last message we talked about was living for the pleasures of God. This morning, we're going to talk about living life with the purpose of being like Christ. And then next week, we'll get into living out the purpose of being a servant of Christ. But today, living life with the purpose of being like Christ. This world who will never darken the doorway of a church. But we can still be a picture of Christ to them. And we ought to be a picture of Christ to them. Acting as Christ would act. Reacting as Christ would react. That's easier said than done at times. At least I know it is for me. Um, too often my flesh wants to take over and take control and do what I want to do. But God's Word reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, the first part of that verse, For those He foreknew, He also predestined, here it is, to be conformed to the image of His Son. Let that sink in just for a moment. For those He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that's part of our purpose for existence is to be like Jesus Christ that's a huge challenge a huge exhortation a huge opportunity to live for something greater than ourselves to live for the cause of God in our lives let that sink in as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the opportunity once again, Lord, to be here this morning for the privilege of having been able to sing these songs, to worship you through music. But now as we worship you through the word, I ask God that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that we would surrender this morning our rights, our wills, our desires, to live, some, live for something greater than ourselves. To live with a purpose of becoming like Christ. That the world may see us and see a picture of Christ in us. I ask God that you would speak to my heart this morning. Challenge me, God. But not only challenge me, but change me so that I can be more like Jesus. But for every one of us in this room this morning, God, I ask that you would speak to all of us. Lord, for a few moments this morning, might we be able to set aside some of the cares and the concerns that are very real to many of us, to concentrate on what you have for us in your word. Lord, may we not be distracted with what's going to take place later this day, with what's already taken place earlier this day, but the Lord dwell on what you have for us from your word. Thank you for who you are and for what you've done for us on the cross of Calvary. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And there's a couple words I want to draw out of that first section of verse there. And the first word is the word predestined. It literally has the idea to be marked out to a, a point or determined beforehand. In other words, before you even had a relationship with Jesus Christ... 
God in eternity past, as He had your interests in mind, He said of you who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. God's destiny or ultimate end for His appointed or chosen ones is that they be Christ-like. So in this world that we live in, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it's not the idea of being like some great person that we read about. Or having the character of so-and-so who is a good person. Or being able to accomplish the things that this other uh, great or well-known person accomplished. Our greatest end is to become like Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, For He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for Himself according to His favor or purpose and will. So, from the beginning, God had in mind that we would be like His Son, Jesus Christ. And the question I have to ask so far, how's that happening? How's that working out for us so far? Are we a picture of Jesus Christ in this lost and dying world? Um, the second word I wanted to highlight from Romans 8.29, the first part of that verse is this. The word conformed. God's plan for you from the start is that you be like His Son. He imagined that you would become like His Son. So the second word here is the word conformed. I want to illustrate this just for a moment. I find it absolutely amazing how creative and imaginative the minds of young children are. In fact, we have several of those uh, children here in our church that uh, have these types of minds and the imaginations that they run forth with. And uh, it works like this. I watch this cartoon of this great superhero, and then all of a sudden the next day I want to what? Be like that superhero. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's Spider-Man or whether it's you know Superman or... Or uh, what's the one Cohen likes? Uh, Link. You know, you, you watch it and all of a sudden your mind takes over and the creation takes over and you want to be like that. You think, man, I can, accomplish, I, can, I can take on the world. I can accomplish anything. And I can remember as a child thinking, you know, after watching this particular show, how cool would it be to be a firefighter? Or how cool would it be to be a policeman? Or how cool would it be, you know, to be something that you've seen somewhere, a construction worker or so forth? So our imagination's taken over. It has the idea of being conformed. Taking on the picture or the role of that which you have seen and been challenged with. And God says, my plan for you, as you have been chosen, pointed out, marked out, is that you be conformed to the image of my Son, Jesus Christ. And it has been His plan from the beginning. He says, you know, consider God's plan, how it goes all the way back from the, to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. He said, I want you to be like me. So what is God's likeness? In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24, it says this, you put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and in purity of truth. Put on the new self, the new life. One created in purity and truth. Does that mark our lives as a child of God? Purity and truth. Purity, we understand what that is. Being holy, being blameless, being righteous before God. 
But he also says, in truth. Doing what we know is right. So how can I become like Christ? If God's purpose for my life is to become like His Son Jesus, how does that happen? Well, it starts with allowing the Holy Spirit to work within us and by surrendering to Him. The only way the Holy Spirit can work within us is by us opening our lives to the Holy Spirit's working in us. In other words, we get in the Word, we allow God to fill us, the Holy Spirit to fill us, and we begin to walk in obedience and being filled with the Spirit rather than the flesh. But it requires surrender. And that's something we don't like to do in this culture. Anyone like to say, yes, boss, whatever you want to do, I'm with you. Why does that go against our nature? Because we know a better way to do it. Our way is better. My process is better. So I think. Someone said to me years ago, if you just do it the way I do it, and you do it wrong, it'll be on me. Right, but I still don't want to do it that way. I want to do it how I want to do it. That's my flesh fighting. That's my selfishness saying, i got to have my way. There's not a one of us in this room who says, yes, boss, whatever you want. That's my desire today. It's not natural. But to become like Christ, it has to become natural. To say, God, whatever you want, that's what I want. That's not normal. I want you to listen to these verses in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to begin reading verse 17. And this is talking about the new life in Christ. It says, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord... You should no longer walk as Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. He says that is the picture of somebody who is walking apart from Christ. And remember what he said he called us to was holiness and purity and truthfulness. Verse 20 says, But that is not how you learned about the Messiah, assuming you have heard about Him and were taught by Him. Bottom line is there has to be a change in our lives. He says, Because of the truth is in Jesus. You took off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of the truth. So I think there are three exhortations here that we need to realize if we are going to become more like Christ in this world that we live in. Number one, put off the old self. Every one of us that knows Jesus Christ is our Savior, we can look back to a time in our life and say, I know when Jesus Christ did that. I know how He changed me. And I know what my life would be apart from Christ. And how we can view our lives apart from Christ is what, we're not to be, is what is not to be a part of our lives. If God has changed us through the power of His Word, through the cleansing of His Word, there ought to be a difference in our life. He says, put off the old man. In other words, who we are before Christ. Now here's the thing, something we need to consider sometimes. I was saved at age five. I can remember, as I shared with the guys the other day, I can remember as if it happened yesterday. Is that clear in my mind? At five years old, I wasn't on the bottle. I wasn't alcoholic. I wasn't in promiscuity, immorality, adultery. 
I was five. God saved me from some of those things. And I praise God for that. Some of you have a testimony where God saved you away from some of those things and out of some of those things. Praise the Lord for that. But who we would be apart from Christ ought to be different than who we are in Christ. Amen? Right? So there ought to be a marked difference between us and the world, so to speak. The old man is dying and going to hell. The old man lives for what the things of this world has to offer. 1 John 2 reminds us what those things are. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He says those things aren't going to last, they're going to die. But those are not the things that should characterize our lives as children of God. So he says, put off. It has the idea of laying aside or stripping away the sins or characteristics of the persons we were before we came to Christ. Or who we would be apart from Christ. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, if you would turn there just for a moment. Romans chapter 6, I want to read verses 1 through 8. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. What's he saying here? The bottom line is, just because we're a child of God, just because we know that when we repent of our sins, He's going to forgive us, well, I can continue and go ahead and do my sin because God's going to forgive me anyway. No. He says, don't continue in sin just because you know God will forgive and give you grace. He says, absolutely not. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too would walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with Him in the likeness of His death, He will certainly also be in the likeness of His resurrection. For we know that our old self, which we are to put off, our old self was crucified with Him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished, so we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with Him. What's he saying here? There ought to be a difference. We're to put off the old man, put off the old way of living. There ought to be a marked difference in our life as a child of God. We're to put that off. Repentance, change, and submission will be required. In fact, in Colossians, if you would turn there just for a moment, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 3, I just want to read this very quickly. And here's the first phrase here. Verse 1. So if... That word if can be translated two ways in scriptures. Context usually gives which way it is translated. But some of your translations may say since. And either way would be true. So if you have been raised with the Messiah, if that is true of your life, if you have placed your faith and trust in Him, seek what is above where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Put the word since in there. Since you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above. Either way is true. If it is true that you know Jesus Christ, seek what is above. And if you have, and there's no question about it, since you have been raised with Christ, seek what is above. So set your minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth. The word set there, as I've said before, is an action verb. Set. And and in the English language, it's understood you. You who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, set your 
mind. Set your affection on those things that are above. So it's the idea, I have this pen, and I'm going to set it right there. I'm to set my mind on things that are above. In other words, I'm not to live for the things that are in this world. It's an action verb that I am to do. I set it there. It's a purposeful decision. Verse 3, For you have not died, or for you have died, and your life is hidden with the Messiah and God. <coughs> when the Messiah who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. Once is past tense. It means it's what I did before I knew Christ, or what I would do apart from Christ. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now you must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put off the new self, you are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of our Creator. So this idea of putting off is that there ought to be a difference in our life. If we're going to be in Christ, be like Christ and be living out that purpose in our lives, we can't be like everyone else in the world. There has to be a difference between us. And what we, what we would be apart from Christ or before Christ ought to be different than who we are in Christ. Amen? There ought to be a difference. So repentance, change, and submission will be required. Number two, it says be renewed in your minds in Ephesians four seventeen and following. This is a changing or a reprogramming of our minds. That's what it says in Romans 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. You see, that's sometimes hard because the world kind of tells us how we're supposed to think, don't they? I mean, the world always says you got to have this, and you got that, and you got to go here, and you got to go there. I mean, you, you know, get in with the program. And we let the world mold us what the world wants us to become. We're all a product of what's been ingrained into us for years and years and years. And to have the mind of Christ means that we have to be reprogrammed, transformed. Our, our minds need to be renewed. And it's a gradual change from the inside out. It doesn't happen overnight sometimes. Um, someone comes to Christ and who they were before Christ, man, that has permeated a good portion of their life. And sometimes it takes time to develop new habits and to change and to be the person that God wants them to be. But they can't do it alone. You need God's help. But it takes time. It's kind of the idea of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. That, that metamorphosis, that change takes place, but it doesn't happen overnight, does it? It takes time. Number three. We are a new creation. He said, we're a new creation if we know Jesus Christ. Old things pass away and all things become new. The new self. Our entire character needs to change. In uh, Colossians chapter 3, talks a little bit about that. Colossians chapter 3, verses uh, 11 through 17. Verse 11 says, In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on a heartfelt compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. On this week, let's go on. According to one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has complained against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Those are some characteristics that God wants us to put on if we're going to be like Jesus Christ. Then he goes on, above all, put on love. The perfect bond of unity. We're also called into one body. Full. Let the message about teaching and making one another and singing gratitude in your hearts to God. Everything for Jesus. Thanks to God the Father through yourself with God. Taking off some things, putting some new things on. Not incomplete until Jesus Christ. Confidence, according to Philippians, being confident that he who starts a good work in us will complete it. And we get to heaven. None of us will die on this earth. It's an everyday process. It's every day taking another step in our journey. Every day saying, I'm going to say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. Every day being filled with him. I'll be here thinking, how in the world can I do this? Oh, no, the Keen reminds us, I can do all things who strengthens me. A change from Christ working in you. There are all kinds of self-help books. Go to the library, go to Barnes and Nobles, go to wherever you want to go to find books. There are a million self-help books. But unless it includes the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working within us, it's futile. You can't change apart from Christ. You can't do it. Not one of us is strong enough. things. Number one, priorities and our commitments. Just for a moment, Matthew 6.33. I think it's a familiar verse. But seek, secondly, thirdly, somewhere in the mix to be, you know, the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? As long as seek first. That doesn't control for me. Maybe it does for you, but it doesn't for me. Myself, I'm selfish. My wife, talk to my kids. Unless you be a little bit judgmental, I'll talk to your spouse and your kids too and find out how selfish you are. We are self. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It doesn't say seek first a good-paying job. Seek first a nice home. Seek first security in this world that we live in. Seek first a good running car. Seek first good relationships and good friends. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's unnatural for many of us. For all of us. Because we're born with a corrupt, sinful nature. And it's something we have to work at. And so we have to constantly examine our priorities. What is it that we're living for? We want to be like world.
See, once we live for God and make that commitment real in our lives, the payday is not here on this earth. The payday is in the life that comes later in heaven. So we need to examine our priority commitments. Firm by the pride in your heart, pride in you that I have in Christ Jesus. I am sorry. I affirm by the pride in you that I have Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every dying daily. I mean, a daily rich no to what I want and yes to what Jesus Christ wants. I'm willing to say no to myself and yes to Jesus Christ. Me. 4.11 For thou art worthy, O Lord, and honor. And for thy pleasure, thy will, we exist. It's not about me. As much as I want it to be about me, it's not going to be about me ever. It bothers me a little bit. Maybe it bothers you a little bit. Because we want life to be comfortable. And how do we do that except we make life comfortable for ourselves? I don't like struggles. I don't like problems. I don't like difficulties. I don't like being frustrated. Am I alone? Let's be honest. We want a comfortable life. Sometimes I fear in the future it's going to become very, very, very uncomfortable being a child of God. Maybe we ought to start preparing ourselves for that. Start now by saying no to our own selfish desires. First, and commitments need to die to self daily and be reminded that life is not about ourselves. And number three, we need or verse four. Do we hunger for that knowledge of God? Do we have a hunger for what we know is good for us? And God, he says in John chapter, word is truth, sanctify them through their truth. Truth comes in the word of God. Um, Psalm 1, your verse. They're so fast. How I instruction is my meditation all the day long. It ought to be our desire to dwell on the Word, to make it a part of who we are. And one more, James 1. Verse 22 says, But doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately before immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves in it, and is not forgetful here, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. We need to dwell on God's word. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. You see, we hear every week sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, it's truth. I mean, you can't deny truth. can't walk away from truth and say it wasn't the truth. I mean, it's the truth, right? I mean, it sounds good. But it's like the song, Casting Crowns Between the Altar and the Door, is what's solidified in our hearts. What happens when we get out past the door? Sometimes under, under the presence of the Word of God, it's like, yeah, I agree with that. Sounds great. Anyone disagree? Nope. Sounds wonderful. It's truth. But are we doers of the word or are we hearers only? As I said, I got two hands and a foot. If I could get the other one up there without falling on my hind, I would do it. It's reality. Are we doers of the word or do we just hear it? Does it change the way we live? Becoming like Christ means that I am not attained to any other status. Being a picture of Christ to a world that we that is dying and going to hell. Well, number four, we need to examine our priorities and commitments. We need to die to self and be reminded that life is not about us. We need to dwell on God's word. And number four, we need to know that the struggles of this life will help us become like Christ. It's going through struggles. Every time we go on a road trip, what do we do? God give us traveling mercies and safety. God, pray that we don't have with this sickness very long because I don't like being sick. You know, we pray for the life of blessing. I'm not saying that's wrong. But we so despise any type of trial, any type of difficulty, any type of frustration that we pray against it. And those are the very things that God often uses in our lives to make us more like His Son. Is it not? I mean, it's only by the the pressure that a diamond is created. It's only through the heat that gold is refined. So we need to understand that the struggles of this life will help us become like Christ. We shouldn't fight them. But I'd rather ask Jesus Christ, or ask God, how can we become more like Jesus Christ because of them? Chapter 8 familiar passage. I want to read this in closing. We know that all things work together for those who are called according to His purpose. together for good. We allow it. If I love God enough to say, God, I trust you with whatever it is that you want to do with my life. I trust you, God, that much. And if you want the trials to come, let them come, God. God, if you want me to go through some difficulties to get my attention, God, I'm willing to do that. (laughs) He may let them come whether you're willing or not, by the way. But the bottom line is, I trust you enough that you're going to do what's best for me. 
that these struggles are not in vain, but they help refine us and conform us to the image of His Son. The last verse I want to look at this morning, five. And not only that, but we also rejoice. What? Did I say that? Wait, I got, I got to get this back here. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also rejoice. In, yeah, it says that. We rejoice in our afflictions. We know that affliction produces endurance, it produces proven character, character produces hope. It will not disappoint us. Out on our in our heart, the Holy Spirit who is given to us. There's a purpose and a reason for the struggle. And that hope that comes, you know, this life is temporary. We talked about at the beginning of the service here how Susan has graduated. I'm a little bit jealous there. She gets to see heaven before I do. This life is temporary. The struggles that we face are temporary. And God wants to use them to make us more like His Son, Jesus Christ. So the purpose of this life is not just to exist. It's not just to show up week after week and say, well, here I am. Now what? It's not just to get up in the morning, take a shower, get dressed, go to work, and do that for 40, 50 years, and then all of a sudden sit back and enjoy the last few you got. Life has more purpose than that. At least it should. Living for the pleasure of God, living to become like His Son. Next week we'll look at living the purpose of being a Christ like servant. Life has purpose if we embrace God's purpose. If we live for self, we're going to be disappointed. Let's pray.